Hello, and welcome to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerrand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. So today I'm going to be talking about a new history book. It was just published in 2021 and caught my eye when I was in Edinburgh a couple months ago while doing some book shopping. And the book I'm referring to, as you will have seen from the title of this episode, is Antwerp, The Glory Years, written by Michael Pye. Overall, this was a pretty good book. It was a really solid read that was filled with a lot of information that was both educational and extremely interesting. I think something I do want to note before getting into this episode further, just to manage expectations, is that I am a history buff myself. I got my degree in art history with a concentration in Northern European Renaissance, so I just have a real personal interest in all sorts of history topics, so that's definitely going to skew me towards being more in favor of history books. However, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind throughout this review and do my best to give you an unbiased opinion. So with that said, I guess let's just jump right in. As you can tell from the title of the book, it's about the city of Antwerp. However, the book does focus on a very specific portion of Antwerp's history, roughly the 70 years between 1510 to 1580, because this was a time in Antwerp's history where it was considered the jewel on the crown's signet ring. Antwerp was the center of trade and the world, even beating out other trading cities like Brussels and Venice. And for some reason, probably because it was so short-lived, Antwerp's history as being this epicenter has sort of been forgotten. For some reason, when people think back to this time period and all of the trade that was happening as the four corners of the world were colliding, like with all sorts of new fabrics, plants, and foreign ingredients coming from places like Africa and Asia, everyone seems to think about Venice, Amsterdam, or Brussels. But it was really Antwerp that had that title for these 70 years. And it not only shaped commerce in Europe, but it also had a profound cultural impact as well. Because when you have such a successful port that's full of people and products from all over the world, that naturally brings all sorts of languages, religions, and ideologies with it. And due to several reasons, one, wanting to encourage this economic growth, Two, there were a high number of Protestants in this region. And three, Antwerp was the rebellious outlier that was happy to disobey the crown and allow what the crown considered heresy to go on. Antwerp was more relaxed and open and really accepting of all of these different people and all of these different beliefs for the sake of their own peace and prosperity. Because as Michael Pye puts it in his book, imperial diplomacy was never Antwerp's trade. However, the author definitely doesn't paint Antwerp as a perfect utopia, because it wasn't, and he really makes it clear that there was corruption, chaos, and slave trade going on at the same time. One way he describes it is by saying it was rich, vulnerable, corrupt, and full of energy. In its heyday, the city of Antwerp was even referred to as the New Rome, because both were alive with gossip, both depended on sea trade, and both were full of people operating at the edge of the law. 
But other than crime, some of the other general chaos included fires that would break out since the buildings and roofs were built with wood and no one wanted to obey the laws that they passed to prohibit people from doing this. The Black Plague that swept through the city and just the general squalor in terms of waste disposal, the iconoclasm movement that swept through the city and destroyed all sorts of artwork and religious icons, and finally, a rebellion against the crown, which spurred a struggle for control of the city that ended up being the final event that ended up snuffing out the cultural and economic fire that was Antwerp. As Michael Pye puts it, the city had been the hub of the whole world that Europeans knew. What happened there helped change the world and how we think about it. But it was only a city, a site with walls that was liable to rise and fade with time. It could be hollowed out, and it was. But there was actually another point of contention during its prime that quite literally surrounded Antwerp, and that was the pretty heated debate that ensued about whether or not they should build a wall or walls around the city. And it was a major point of contention and debate because there were very differing views about how walls were seen. On one hand, people said that cities were defined by their walls, and some of the other major players had walls surrounding them as well, like Paris and Rome. But on the other hand, some people saw it as a weakness. Not only would it cost an astronomical amount to build the walls in the first place, but Aristotle once said that a city of walls is a city of women, and people thought it made them look like they didn't have a capable military. Additionally, people were also of the opinion that good rulers built castles, and tyrants built walls. So this was just one of the difficult decisions that Antwerp faced during these prime years. But there were a lot of other things to come out of Antwerp as well, and a lot of really great things. So some of those things that Antwerp ended up contributing that had a real lasting cultural impact was publishing. Publishing was huge at this time with the invention of print machines. So obviously books became huge, but it had a sort of trickle-down effect as well, and things like music and art were also able to be copied and distributed, which in turn led to the beginning of copyright concepts. Then we also had map making, which really boomed as all of these different corners of the world were coming together, and it was at this time in history in Antwerp, that the very first atlas was published. And it was a huge success with both everyday people as well as the crown. And again, because Antwerp was a city of sea trade, all of these things, music, maps, and art, were all able to be distributed throughout Europe and the world. And even though Antwerp ended up ultimately falling from power, these things were hugely important for other cities who learned from Antwerp as well as the cities that became the epicenters after Antwerp. So Amsterdam, for example, became the next place to be as printing, bookselling, and publishing all moved north. And there was real industry and architecture in Antwerp as well, which really contributed to the boom. So things like the real estate market or land ownership, factories that went up, market squares that were built for all of the trading, and even a massive city garden that was planted with all of the plants from all over the world. Because unlike other trading cities that were also dealing in these exotic plants and ingredients, 
What set Antwerp apart was the fact that their doctors and apothecaries knew how to use them for medicines and things like that, whereas the experts in other cities didn't. So as you might have been able to tell from this review, or maybe not, I did find some modern day comparisons to Antwerp, especially in terms of their plague and our pandemic, because the laws that they had enacted back in the 1500s were actually super similar to the lockdown laws that we had here in Europe. So it was a teeny tiny bit triggering, but in the end, it is really interesting to see these comparisons. Plus, there were all sorts of other similarities to present-day society in terms of individual wealth, or lack of, the political and religious divide, and just the general tumultuous nature of it all, which I guess is always a common theme when reading or studying history. You really see how so much has changed, and yet nothing has changed at the same time. So even though this review has been as unbiased as I can possibly be, I did find this book super interesting. Having studied Northern European Renaissance art history myself, which I know sounds incredibly pretentious, I was already familiar with a lot of names, especially when he mentions famous artists, but I do think it's also a great read for anyone who's interested in this topic. You do not have to have studied history yourself to really enjoy this book and get a lot out of it. Because although I didn't find the author Michael Pye to be as charismatic as other popular history writers, like Bill Bryson, for example, I did find that he has a real talent for giving you the full scope of a topic in a really succinct way. Because this book was only about 220 pages long. That's nothing. Yet he was able to give you all of the major players, all of the events, and give you a full understanding of 70 years of history in such a small number of pages. And that's something that writers like Bill Bryson can't do. So I feel like it's kind of a choose your fighter situation. But this ability that Michael Pye has to write a very condensed yet educational book made a lot of sense when I looked a little more into his background and credentials, because it turns out that he's also written 12 other books, three of which were the New York Times' Notable Book of the Year, two of which were British bestsellers, and he was a journalist, broadcaster, and columnist in London and New York. So he has an incredibly impressive resume. But in terms of my opinion about this particular book, with everything said and done, I think I'd give it four out of five stars. I think depending on who you are, what your interests are, and what type of reader you are, I could see this being rated higher or a little bit lower, but it definitely doesn't fall below a three. I also think it's a great read for anyone who's interested in things like global trade, business, or even historical architecture. So hopefully this review piqued your interest and you'll give it a read yourself because learning about Antwerp and this particular portion of world history really was very enlightening. So in the meantime, for any of my non-history readers out there, there are more reviews coming on all sorts of genres. I actually have a really good Norwegian thriller coming, so stay tuned for that. And until then, be sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, subscribe from wherever you're listening from, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books, and I will talk to you in the next review.
Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like this show, you can rate and review on iTunes, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books.